society, in your government, but in your family. See, if you take a stick that's crooked, that was made crooked, it was, it was that way ever since it had, had grown and taken formation, the only way you can ever make that stick straight is to break it. But depending on the crook and how crooked it is, there may be multiple breaks that have to occur in order to form the stick back straight. And I want to encourage you this morning that what we see under the sun today is nothing new. As we read Ecclesiastes, the preacher, he's going through a lot of things in his mind as many people are starting this new year. They closed last night, last year, in a place of depression, in a place of anxiety, of hopelessness, and have woke up this morning in the same despair because of life situations, things that they may be facing in their own personal life, or what they see happening in the world around them. This is something that Solomon was witnessing thousands of years ago. It was the same, same thing, just a different time period. And the discouragement that set in upon this man, he writes this letter penned by the power of the Holy Spirit for our encouragement today. But he gives us this great truth. He starts out this letter. And when we, if we stop there, we can come to a pay, place of paralysis in our spirit of thinking, well then what is the hope? If that what's crooked can't ever be made straight and man can't do nothing about it, then what is the hope? And I want to share with you this morning a great truth out of Ecclesiastes 3 where the preacher does not leave us in this place of despair, but he surfaces... A truth out of chapter 3 that I believe the whole body of Christ can gain something from this morning. If we can allow the Holy Spirit to be able to minister to us for a few minutes of time. As I know that not only those sitting in the sanctuary this morning are feeling the weight and burdens of the world, but those that may also listen into this message or may ever listen in is in the same place in their mind and spirit. And I believe God to come up alongside of us with His divine hand and to touch us today to set us on a course for this new year with joy, with passion, and with purpose to give us understanding of that which only the Spirit can give understanding of that we set our eyes on today. Ecclesiastes 3, 11 through 15 out of the NLT, the preacher goes on to say, after this great tragedy that he just revealed to mankind in verse 1 or chapter 1, verse 15, he says, Now yet, in the NLT, even though all of this is happening and this is truth, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to the end. So I concluded that there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. And I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. God's purpose is that people should fear Him. What is happening now has happened before. What will happen in the future has happened before. Because God makes the same things to happen over and over again. As he starts this passage out, he says, he gives us an idea, a thought, places in our mind 
about who God is, that He is the creator of time. Uh, as He is the creator of time, the preacher goes on to encourage us by the Holy Spirit that everything that we see will have its place of beauty. And it's not just the good things that we see, but even the negative things in the course of this world as God has created it in this fashion has its beauty as well. As we, as we focus our eyes on the good things that God has provided, there seems to be a joy that comes into the heart of man. It encourages us. But also, when we see some of the tragedy, and we see some of the other things that's happening uh, in life, that, that, is a, that is a the result, direct result of fallen man, it has its own beauty in a way that it shows us the sovereignty of God. That God is a God of truth. He's a God of passion. He's a God of love, but He is a just God. See, it gives us an encouragement that God is who He says He is and that what He says will be produced in and through the world. Not only the world, but our own personal life. So it points us to a place of God's consistency. If God was not consistent and what He said was not true, then there would be no way we could ever trust Him for the good things. See, when, when disobedience comes or when, or, or when things are being orchestrated in life because of lack of reverence for God and we see some of the calamity that is taking place in the world as a result of this, this could, should show the church a great encouragement that God is on the throne. He is in control. He is supreme. He is who that He says He is. So we can take we can take joy. God can come upon our spirit even in the good and the bad. He says when, when this happens, and this happens for a reason, He goes on to say that even though God is a God of time, everything has been made beautiful for its own purpose for God. He goes on and says that in the heart of man... In me and you is placed eternity. You say, well, what does this mean? This means that inside of our mind, inside of our heart, is built this innate desire to have knowledge. We want to know. We want to be able to understand beginning to end. We want to be able to look at life and understand every facet about God, who He is, our existence. Man, for centuries, have been digging into knowledge, we've built inventions, we've, we've tried to peer into deep things of science to be able to understand things that only God has the ability to understand. And according to man, with knowledge comes power. But see, there's something that man has missing because of this eternity, this big cavern that's been placed in us, this desire to know that without God attached to it, Knowledge becomes very dangerous. Science without God becomes a dangerous tool. Inventions without the knowledge or the reverence of God becomes a danger to society because it leads you into more questions. Because questions is what drives everything of the human mind. We want to know. We want to have an answer for things. Man just has this desire to understand. And the preacher is trying to give us something out of this passage this morning that seems so, so foreign. It, it is an answer to life's problems today. And as we go on, we're going to reveal this a little bit more. But it will take a man or a woman that's willing to submit 
to the knowledge of God to come to this understanding that the preacher is about to reveal to us. Because you see in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, he says that the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. That word fear doesn't mean to be in a place of trembling. It means to acknowledge. It's an acknowledgement of God. It's a place of reverence. It's a place of you recognize the authority of, so you allow it that you allow him to have his rightful place as master. He says, with this is the beginning of knowledge. Knowledge outside of the fear of God is vanity, according to the preacher. It has catastrophic results in the end, if not brought in to the province of God. He goes on to say, with this innate desire to learn and to understand. And understanding is good according to Proverbs 4 verse 7 and Proverbs 3 verse 13. He says it's a good thing to have wisdom. And according to Proverbs 3, he says that there's great joy that comes to a man that gains understanding. In 4.7, he goes on to say that with all of your getting, basically, as you're getting more knowledge, getting wisdom, get understanding. Why? Because understanding gives us the ability to apply. Uh, the truth of what we have learned in our life to bring it all together. But there's so many in society today and around the world that have half of the, they've got half of the truth. They, they've got so much knowledge of things. They understand deep things of, of science and the things around us, molecular structure, the universe, all of these things, and they can't fill this void. It, it drives them even further. There's confusion that comes. They, they spend their whole life trying to go deeper and deeper. And what they don't understand is they've got half the tools that they need to be able to work with. Because when the fear of God comes in and the knowledge to say, look, you don't have to understand it all. As a matter of fact, you're never going to be able to understand it all. There's not going to be a moment in your life that you're going to be able to wake up and some just divine perspective is going to come and you understand all of the working facets of God and how He operates and why the world is the way that it is. Why some things in your life is the way that it is. There's, there's something about the nature of God and how God works even though He has revealed Himself to mankind and through His Son, and we have the Holy Spirit to help lead us into a knowledge of truth, there is some things that God has decided to leave us absent-minded of. Reasons are known to Him because maybe we couldn't handle it. You know, Maybe we wouldn't be able to comprehend it uh, one, I'll give you one example. Something that I used to struggle with is in the New Testament. Why wasn't there more wrote about the life of Jesus growing up? Why wasn't there more wrote about His struggles? Why wasn't there more wrote about maybe the struggles with Mary and Joseph? And you know, maybe it's because if it was ever wrote, maybe if some of the things were penned, we would worship it. We would, we would try to bring it like we do everything else in the Scripture, which is a good thing, bring it into the now to put to our life. And maybe we would try to mold our life exactly off the temptations, exactly off the reactions going through. And you know, maybe it was a protection of God to say, 
Man's mind wouldn't be able to comprehend if I put all of these things in. He would take it out of context. He would try to mold his own ideas into it. They would build theologies and they would build temples and they would build religions all from reactions and all from different steps. And what if I missed one? Then there would be things brought in. Well, this wasn't put in there. So, so there's, re, there's all different types of things that, that, that could go into that. And then the Lord just gave me an understanding and saying, Jeremiah, you don't need to know. I gave you the only thing that you do need to know. I gave you the truth of who I am. I gave you the cross. I gave you the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What I have in here right now is enough for you to be able to live. It is enough for you to become an overcomer. It is enough for you to understand enough about me in order to live a fruitful life. I think, thank you Lord. And I believe that it's like that for the rest of the things in the world that we try to put thought and mind to, if we can trust God and who that He is, it takes the weight off from our shoulder. He goes on to say in this passage, the next point he hits is that we can't see from beginning to end the whole scope of God's plan. You see, Ephesians 6.12, he says that church... Paul wants the church to understand that we're not fighting against flesh and blood in this world. We're fighting against principalities, rulers of darkness, uh, things that we can't see. It's a spiritual battle. He says those that are trying to seek this deep understanding and knowledge will find themselves lost in a sea of knowledge that they cannot escape from, never been able to come to the surface to grab a breath of air. It's a constant drowning. And what happens is, is a man will become, will live their life based off trying to reach a destination and miss the very step day by day of the journey, the process of getting to the destination. If we're not careful, we will find our joy only in the place of reaching that which we're trying to obtain. When joy is to come upon every day of the journey, the process, that only happens when understanding comes by the Holy Spirit in order to gravitate us to where our feet are, where our mind can be in the now, where we can, we can focus on where we are, not where we desire to be. And then we are able to have an impact on society. Things start changing in our own mind. Knowledge starts to, to come into divine perspective and He attaches Himself, the God molecule, to our knowledge and makes it okay. There's an understanding that comes from the Lord that He's in control. And even though we might not be able to see or understand, we can submit our life to the authority of Jesus Christ and to God's divine power and His intervention. And that we know that He has the best for us in our life, on His heart and on His mind as it was on the cross. Even for society, it will give you the ability to let go of political things. It will give you the ability to let go of issues with your family, of issues with your with your children, your grandchildren, different things. It, this passage of Scripture, when it is truly placed inside of our heart and understanding comes, it lets us take that off from here. And he says, look, what is made this way is this way. And you can do nothing to change it. Now, place the weight where it belongs. Place it on the Creator. And then you, in, in that moment 
of taking that divine perspective and knowledge by the fear of the Lord, all knowledge comes together. Where our feet are that moment, there can be supernatural joy and compassion flood our spirit and our heart despite what is going around uh, around us, despite how certain people are, are living even closest to us, despite all of these things that try to drain our spirit, divine perspective comes in. And it's a miracle of God. I, I believe that uh, God has given this to His church in this passage. Solomon was allowed to experience these things to surface this reality to us today. And I, I pray that we can take this with us throughout this next year and change our life, change how we see. He says that even though that we can't understand or see directly as God sees, the preacher encourages, with, encourages us as a church today with a very unique gift that's only given to mankind. It's not given to animals. It's not given to fish in the sea. It's not given to aliens. It's given to mankind. It's given to you and me. And he surfaces this and he says it's so simple. He says you are given the capacity to find encouragement and joy and satisfaction during your journey in your work and in your very experiences of life. He says this is a gift. Many times we look over this gift because our mind isn't where our feet are and divine perspective has left our mind and we get a clouded vision. So we're not able to live in the now. And he says, he says, look, let's water this down a little bit. And all of this sea of knowledge we're trying to swim in, let's come to the simplicity of it. God has given you life. It's a gift to wake up and take a breath of air this day. Now, enjoy what God has given you. Take joy in the steps that you have made. Even in the failures, you're not where you was yesterday. So see, the enemy will try to captivate our mind even on a spiritual journey where we try to hold ourselves onto this this level and plateau of perfection that also if we're not careful, we forget to celebrate the victories of yesterday. The victories of this morning. Every day is an opportunity. You say, well, thank you, Lord. I may have failed yesterday catastrophically. I don't have to be there today. Thank you, Jesus. It's a new day. You've given me life. This is a gift. He says, now, bring your mind into now. Take it off last week and the things that's about to happen in the future that you don't even know, you can't put thoughts of what's going to happen because you're not there. God's already there and He knows. He says, what I'm trying to do through this letter is to wash you in a sea of forgetfulness, to allow my Holy Spirit to come and to cleanse your spirit so that the only thing that you see right now is now. See, now is an opportunity. See, change is a process, not an event. We need to get that in our spirit. Change is a process, not an event. In this process, we can find great joy. But see, we don't want to submit to the process because we lose the joy in the process because of all the weight that comes with it that society wants to put on in the world. 
And it has the capacity to drain us, to put holes in us, to drain our joy and to drain the understanding that God so much wants to pour into our heart and our mind this morning. I say, I want to encourage you out of Romans 8.28 that God says that we know all things work together for the good to those who love God to those who are the called according to His purpose. See, this is everything. God's a God of time. He has made everything beautiful for its own time. Even the bad. When it's brought into divine perspective and submitted to Him, every moment is an opportunity to come into this divine province, to this, to this place of refuge to a new land. Today is not just a day of marking a new calendar. Today is a day of stepping into a new place in our spirit man and allow God to be able to move in a supernatural way. Now, we're going to close this passage with verse 15. Now the question comes, he knows that there's going to be questions. People just have this, in, this thing that's been placed inside of them by God to know. Now, why? 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 It's what everyone's saying, like, like babies, like kids, this is the world. Why, Daddy? Why? 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 It don't matter how old we are, why? He says, now, son, I'm going to give you the answer. Can you accept it this morning? In verse 15, he says, what's happened now has happened before, son. What will happen in the future has happened before. Why? Because God has ordered it this way. Jesus, He has in His own divine nature and His perspective and His thoughts have ordered it this way for the purpose that mankind would come to a reverent fear of God. Jesus. I've used this example before. If you had, uh, if you had a young child that was playing alongside of a highway and a loaded tractor and trailer was coming, and you're standing in the yard, and they're rocking right up alongside the line, and you see their curve. They're about to step in front of an 18-wheeler, and their existence was going to be no more. It was going to annihilate them. It was going to take their life, cause them great pain. And you, out of your love and compassion, because you have more understanding than what the child does, you run toward them and you tackle them to the ground. They might even break their arm when they hit the side of the pavement. But you save their life. See, that's how our Heavenly Father works with us. See, as a shepherd, God relates Himself to the great shepherd. You know, as a shepherd, there's things that the shepherd had to do out of love that the world looking in would see to be inhumane. He will break their legs. When they get close to the edge of a cliff, he'll break two legs. He'll come up and that sheep won't listen and he knows it's about to fall off the other side. He'll snap its legs with a stick. That shepherd hook that they have is not just to reach them and pull them out. It's also to break their bones. Why does, why does he do that? And uh, I heard a story, I heard this uh, preached one time, it wasn't too long ago, uh, about... The reason why that the shepherd does that, and it's a reality, it happens all around the world, is he says because he'll take that sheep and the sheep will not acknowledge him. He'll try to feed the sheep 
and it'll try to bite him for maybe a week or two weeks. He'll try to water the sheep. He'll have to leave the sheep alone. But after a short period of time, as he goes back to the same sheep, it says that sheep will start to lick his hand. He'll start to show it love and affection. He'll let him grab a hold of it. That sheep will let him hold him. It is a, there's a unique love, a bond that's brought there. And they say that that particular sheep will become one of the best sheep of the herd that listens to the shepherd. He hears his voice. It will obey on an instant because it knows there's something that has been engraved in it. It, it knows even its animal instincts that there's something that this man, there's something of protection that is here and he trusts the shepherd with his life. And that's how the Lord works and ministers in our life. Sometimes we experience breaking because the breaking has to happen in our life because we are built, we are made crooked from the very beginning of our life coming out of the womb because of our nature. Because it's a sin <coughs> nature that has been handed down according to Romans uh, 5 that has been handed down as a result of the fall in the garden and the dis disobedience of mankind. We are now born into it. Through this process of life, God loves us enough to where He knows if we don't come into a place of reverence, if we don't come into a place of acknowledgement and acceptance of Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that we're not just living a few years in torment, there is an eternity of separation between God and man. And we are, and we are placed in a place of torment, a sea of torment that you can never escape. And the Master loves us so much, He will come down. If He tries to hook us long enough and we won't listen, He'll take the stick and flip it around and He'll smack our legs to a place He isolates us encapsulates us in a moment to be able to hear His voice in order for us to be able to receive divine perspective of life, to be able to come into a new area of life, to be able to accept Him and to be able to take it upon faith that He is the Creator of the universe, that He, he has everything in His mind of what my life is to be and it is the best if I will just learn to follow His voice. Jesus. I believe all across the world today, God is calling out to His creation. He loves His creation so much that what we look at as the church as some great calamity can possibly be one of the greatest mercy moves of God to allow man to have his own way, to allow things to go so far that it becomes so wicked, that society becomes so far away from God, that there will be groups of people that come to such a breaking point to where they cry out, there's no other place to look but up and God's Holy Spirit can minister in that moment of time. I pray that in that moment, that messengers, carriers of God's presence is able to proclaim the truth to bring divine perspective and understanding to a lost and dying world. And that's who you and me is today. And I want to leave you with this one last thing out of, uh, out of uh, Exodus chapter 14. I believe God to do something supernatural in His church today. 
all across the world for a new year. See, Exodus 14, something happened to the children of God in that passage that we can take and bridge over to our life today. Why? Because according to Romans, that we are a child of God. We are a Jew based off not our outward bloodline and birth, but it's made possible by the circumcision of heart through the power of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. See, that we can take some promises of God and be able to bridge them into the now for our encouragement and our hope. And he says in, in Exodus 14 is the story of God's people being delivered from the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt. And they're getting ready to come across uh, the Red Sea. They, and as they come up to this Red Sea, and they went through all these plagues, and Pharaoh had hardened his heart, and they tried to oppress God's people more. When God finally moves upon this man, and He lets him go, there comes a moment of time where in this passage of Scripture, if you can read through it on your own time, that some reporters go to Pharaoh, and they say, look, the people's gone. Not only are they gone, but they've taken all the money. The resources, the gold, the jewels, they've got wealth. They're walking through the desert with wealth that is a burden. It's so heavy, they're having to drag this stuff through the desert. They're complaining that the wealth is so heavy, it's such a burden, they're complaining of the blessing of God because it took something for them to move it. And here it is, they come to this uh, passage and God says, hold up, you know what? Why don't you take them up on this hill and you hold them up here for a minute because I need them to see something supernatural. Now, I'm going to move upon Pharaoh and I'm going to have them chase him down. They're going to see this vast army coming after them. And it says in the Scripture that He gathered all of the chariots. There were 600 more than that because not only with the 600, it goes on to say that He went ahead and ordered the rest of all the charioteers to follow along too. I don't know how many that would have been. I couldn't imagine being on this hill looking out over the desert and seeing possibly thousands of horses and chariots coming after you. Why? To take them back. Here they just stepped in this place of freedom. And I just now started to be able to take a breath. I just now come to a place where I feel like I can survive. Now here comes this impending doom. Here comes all these things. I'm, I'm looking out. God's allowing me to see it, to hear the reports. Not only am I hearing it, I'm physically seeing it. And God says, now you go down. You take your staff and you part that Red Sea. <clears throat> Symbolic, it was a real Red Sea. It was the Red Sea. But we don't face the Red Sea today, but we face an obstacle between where we are and where God desires to be, and God always makes a way. He will move that obstacle just enough for you to step through. And as we step through as a child of God, it's almost inevitable that every time the thoughts and the things and the oppressors from our past is hot on our heels emotionally. There may be emotional torment, bitterness, resentment, Things of the past, what people's done, what they've said, childhood, how you've grown up, all different types of things can be this. It can be actual physical things that's coming up. And he says, now, I'm going to allow you to see a miracle today. As you go across, I'm going to allow every one of my people 
to come across and step their foot into this new place of promise. But I'm going to allow the enemy to get so close, you think you're about to die. And as they're coming, and they come in, and they try to go through the same cavity that you come through. They're trying to walk a place that they were not called to be. See, there's deliverance in your life that's unique to you that may be different from somebody else, but if God has called you there and He's made a space for you and He's walked you through this obstacle and He places your foot in a new place to where you can breathe again. That's what the Scripture says in the book of Acts. He says the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus does. He says that we're to repent, to be converted, to turn to God, that we'll be able to breathe easily again. Basically is what the Scripture means, that we, that we can take a breath it's a relief it's relief he brings relief he says now when you come to that place of relief you follow me you put your eyes upon me like he told the children of Israel when they were being snake bit in the desert and he makes a pole and he raises it up this serpent he says now look at the very thing that's trying to bite you Fix your eyes on it. It was symbolic of the cross. It was symbolic of Jesus. You know, Jesus, there was allowed through divine perspective, sin. He made sin to raise up to the world. He said He put the sin of mankind on Christ. The snake bite in the garden was placed upon Him. So the very thing that the enemy tried to use to destroy God's people was the very thing that brought them freedom. So when we allow God to come into this place of victory, these tormentors are coming, these things are coming on our mind. Don't just try to press it down. Stare it in the eye. Take some boldness in the power of the Holy Ghost today and bring God into perspective on it and say, you cannot come here. Because you can't go through the same canal that God brought me through. And He closed the Red Sea up on the Egyptians, but He waited until they all come in there. See, He didn't leave one straggler to run back that they would have to fear. See, why did He do this for God's people? So they could live in peace. So they didn't have to look over their shoulder their whole life, one in the desert, wondering if at nighttime the Egyptians was going to come up and overtake them once again. So he says, I'm going to allow you to see this one thing. This is going to carry you the rest of your life. If you will allow it, this will take you the distance. I'm going to allow you to witness the power of God this very day, is what he says. And I believe for him to do that for his church today, That is, He is opening up a portal in the spirit realm this morning. And He's walking God's church through a sea of bitterness, of resentment, of misunderstanding, of frustration, of anger. As He walks us through into this new year, and all of these things we feel is chasing us, is coming up the enemy, He's moving full force, Tomorrow morning, you got things that's just coming up against you. If you will keep your eyes on Jesus, He will close the sea. And I believe Him to wash the enemy so far away from you. See? That you can step and you can wake up in the morning in a place of, of peace and security of who you are in the Lord. 
when that happens in our life, something changes. It takes the power of the enemy away from him of being able to dictate our move. See, it takes his ability away from him to be able to grab a hold of our mind and our emotions and keep us in a place of torment, constantly looking back, looking forward, trying to figure things out. He takes us out of the tornado and puts us in the eye of the storm, and he will take you through every time to the other side. And I pray that that's a blessing to someone in the house of God this morning. I'm going to encourage you with this last passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. In order for that experience to happen in your life and for it to be something that is tangible for you to hold on to, there is something that you need to know. That you need the power of God in order to display this. See, He didn't do this for every nation. He didn't do this for every one that was running away from God. He done this for a people called by His name. Now that's not just for the children of Israel thousands of years ago. He has called you. And when He calls you, and He's called you by name, and you accept Him upon faith, and you repent, and you ask for forgiveness of sin, and His Holy Spirit, as fast as the speed of light, comes into your life, you have an ability today, a unique opportunity that's only given to man. That Acts chapter 4.12 says that there is, there is not salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You need deliverance this morning in the house of God. You need Jesus. If you need a change of perspective, you need Jesus. If you need relit and you need to rededicate your life and He has you captivated in a sea of knowledge trying to bring understanding to things and you're being tormented, you need the power of the Holy Ghost this morning to come upon you that can only come upon you by the power of the cross. And I pray that the Holy Spirit walks up and down the aisles of this church that He intervenes on the radio of those that's listening into this message, that He will supernaturally come upon you by the power of the Holy Spirit and give you divine perspective of your situation this morning, that you can, that He encapsulates you in a place of protection and provision to display the power of God to a lost and dying world. And church, what better opportunity do we have today to display the power of the cross than right now? How easy it would be when everything is going good. It's the torment where the glory is displayed. Jesus. He has the ability. He has the capacity. He wants to be poured out through you and me. Jesus. I pray that you take a hold of the message this morning, myself included. And that it just don't stop here with a word of knowledge, but it's produced in our everyday life, starting when we walk out the doors of this church. Jesus.